Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of Ruby Book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So we're currently reading Ruby Under a Microscope by Pat Shaughnessy. And this week we start chapter three, um, which asks the question, so after tokenization, parsing and compilation, how does Ruby finally execute our code? And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. How did you find this week's reading? This week's reading was very difficult. It was very, like, to me, I think this is probably the most confusing reading we've had so far. Like it felt, especially, I think it's on page 50, I have the, the physical books on page 57. There was, you know, that the whole page just felt like one big word salad to me where I was like, stack pointer, program counter, PC, RB control frame. And I'm like trying to keep track of what these things mean and how they're related. And I don't really feel like I got a good enough sense of that for the rest of the reading to really sink in in a meaningful way. So this was tough. This is definitely a tough reading for me. How about you? Yeah, it was it was tough for me too. And there was a bit where I was like, oh, I want to give up. Yeah. But I persevered. <laughs> and I think, again, coming back to that whole, I think I got the higher level. It'll be interesting when we go through it now, uh, how I feel at the end of it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely getting harder. I'm missing the the early days of yes. this book where I was like, oh my God, oh, I feel so smart. I'm learning about tokenization and parsing and it all makes sense to me. Um, and I yeah. hope we get to that point again in the book. Yeah, yeah, same, exactly. And this was a chapter where I, I made this comment before, I think a couple episodes ago, where it made me think, you know, how much easier would this be if we actually did have CS backgrounds? Because, you know, when we were talking to Pat, one thing that really stood out to me in our interview with him in episode five is the fact that he said, you know, I've been coding for 20 years and Ruby's one of my favorite languages. And the fact that he has so much experience makes me think that, you know, he's comfortable with, you know, with talking about stacks and pointers and, you know, these things that, I I kind of like barely know what they are, but I'm definitely not comfortable with them. So, um, you know, this was a section where I thought like, man, if I had if I had a little bit more of a foundation in CS, I think this chapter would have been a little or this reading would have been um, easier and more digestible for me. Yeah. Okay. So let's try and tackle this together. Yes. Yep. Let's do it. We're now at the point where we're saying we've got all the YARV instructions. Um, and so our Ruby code is now in a thing that the YARV virtual machine um, understands or rather I should say the yet another Ruby virtual machine now understands, but how does um, the machine run these instructions? Um, how does it track these variables, the values and the arguments and things like if statements and control structures? So this is what we're going to dig in to this week. So where we're going to start at is looking at a couple of different stacks that uh, we have to keep track of. So one is Yarv's own internal stack. And the other thing is the stack um, which is related to our Ruby code. So we're reminding once again that YARV is a stack-oriented virtual machine. So all the YARV instructions, you know, is basically a stack is being uh, constructed. And But in addition to this own stack that we've seen from the YARV instructions, um, that's going to be derived from the YARV instructions, sorry, YARV also keeps track of our Ruby program's call stack. And so this is which method calls have been done, like, which blocks are we on or lambdas? Um, and so it's 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 termed a double stack machine because it's keeping track of its own arguments and return variables, but also the internal instructions for our Ruby program. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I can I can keep that concept in my head. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so far, so good. And mm-hmm. this idea of a double stack machine, is that is that a thing or is that something that Pat 
kind of came up with for, for our purposes. Do you know? I wasn't sure, you know. I did think about that. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, it's got the bang on the end. Like, it's a double stack machine. Hey, hey. it could right. be something, that, be something <laughs> that Pat just made up. That was, <laughs> that was exactly my analysis. Like, because the idea of a double stack machine sounds like a thing that exists in yeah. the world. But then but then there was an exclamation point at the end. So I was like, oh, he must have just made this up. So that it, that's so funny. That was exactly <laughs> the conclusion I came to as well. Oh, we're so similar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's look at figure 3.1. Um, so we've got three different sections here. So I'm going to go from left to right. So on the left, we have the YAV internal stack. And so this is essentially like a rectangle divided into four different things. And we've got things that say, like, we've got an empty block at the top, and then we've got two. And then in the third block, it says two. And then in the bottom block, it says self. And there's an arrow pointing into the top of the YAV internal stack that's labeled SP. Then in the middle, we have another box and the top of this box has a bold heading which says RB underscore control underscore frame underscore T. And then we have four rows. The first row says PC. The second row says SP. So just like the label on the arrow. Uh, The third row says self and the fourth row says type. And then we have an arrow pointing out of that, that middle block and that's labeled PC. And it points into, and this is something very familiar, it's the block we're used to seeing, which says YAV instructions. And we've got a stack there saying trace, put self, put object to, put object to. So the kind of thing that we're used to seeing. So we've got YAV's internal stack on the left. And the label, um, the SP label on the arrow refers to stack pointer. And so that's at the top of the stack. So it's ready to start working its way down. And then on the right, it's the instructions that YAV is executing and the arrow pointing into that, which says PC, refers to program counter because that says what's the current instruction in the program that we are um, looking at. And so, and, and, and in this case, we're looking at the example of um, the simple Ruby program that says puts two plus two. So YAV is storing both the stack pointer and the program counter in a C structure called RB control frame T. So that's the bit in the middle. So that's like the thing that joins up the two stacks that YAV is maintaining. And here's the extra bit. There's another stack. So at the same time as the internal stack and the program stack, YAV is maintaining a stack of these RB control frame T structures. And we see that in figure 3.2, where we have four block boxes of these RB control frame T things. Um, So the first one says RB control frame T, and then it has square brackets, the method in capital letters. Same thing again, RB control frame T and then block. And then the third one is a similar thing, but method again. And the fourth one says eval. And hello, everyone. There's another arrow pointing into this, which is labeled CFP. (laughs) And this is the current frame pointer. So this indicates which frame, I guess, like which reference, which section of the code um, we're currently looking at. And it says that each stack frame in your Ruby program stack contains a self value, a a program counter and a stack pointer. So yeah, a lot to to get around here. Oh, I just got like a headache all over again. Okay. (laughs) So, so several questions. One question is when we talk about the YARV internal stack and the, like, the the Ruby stack, like our own Ruby code stack, is in figure 3.1, you, you mentioned that we have like the three sections, the YARV internal stack, this thing called the RB control frame, and the YARV instructions. The YARV internal stack is obviously the YARV internal stack. When we talk about the Ruby stack, is that is that pictured anywhere here or have we not talked about that yet? 
I think the Ruby stack is the the thing relating to the PC. The PC. So that's saying we're working through the program. So it's two, two plus. That's that bit. So the program counter. I think so. Because it's the it's the counter okay. that's working through your program. Okay. So essentially would the YARV instructions be... Uh, what is the Ruby stack? Maybe, maybe that's what I'm trying to ask. Like, is the Ruby stack just a list of YARV instructions? Is it, is one YARV instruction a Ruby stack? Is the stack the result of the, like what, what actually is the Ruby stack in this context? Okay, maybe I'm lying. I think I'm lying because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just remembering from something from page, I think it's 57 or 58, where it's example 3.1 and it says, it's the puts two plus two example. And it says this one line Ruby script doesn't have a Ruby call stack. So I'll focus on the internal mm. YARV stack for now. So I don't think we've got that yet. Ah, uh, okay. So we haven't, we have okay, great. So we haven't talked about it yet. So I'll hold off on that question. So the next question I had is for 3.2, figure 3.2, where it says um, we, we see uh, a stack of RB control frame T structures. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it answered my, my question. It says YARV keeps track of your Ruby call stack using a series of RB control T structures. So when we look at that and we see one, two, three, four, four little squares, and each one says RB control frame T um, with a specific type of, of structure that it is. Uh, and then in 3.1, going back to 3.1, we have that one RB control frame T where we have the four rows, which are PC, SP, self, and type. Is is that just an example of one of the structures in Figure Three Two, but expanded? Yes. Okay. Good. That's that would help me a lot. I'm very glad that that is what that is because I was like, this looks really like it's the same thing. Please be the same thing and not something different. Okay. And at this cool. point, my understanding mm-hmm. is that there's a one to one mapping of a block of YARV instructions and one of these RB control frame T things because it's the glue oh. between that and the, and the internal stack. That's my current understanding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, cool. I think I think this is a good place to to continue and then I think the other gaps will be filled as we as we explore. So, cool. Yes. Okay, so Next, we will talk about how this actually works, which is kind of, which is, you know, probably my my second main thing was like, what, how, where, you know, like, how does this, how do we get, because we start off with YARV instructions, which, you know, we we have a, a much more, uh, a better grasp of. And I was like, now we have these other things. How do we get from YARV instructions to these other things? So we're going to talk about that next. So we'll start with a super simple example that reads puts two plus two, and that's in listing 3.1. So this is a one-line Ruby program, you have super, so hopefully super easy, mm-hmm. and we're going to see uh, how we create all these stacks and things. So we look at figure 3.3, and I'm going to start by reading the YARV instructions, which are on the right. So the YARV instructions say trace, next line put self, Next line, put object to. Next line, put object to. Next line, opt plus. Next line, opt send simple. And then we have that uh, that long stuff that reads call info bang mid colon puts comma arg c one dot dot dot. So we have a bunch of stuff. And then the final line says leave. By the way, so this is why I had another revelation where I realized that I was thinking of the YAV instructions as a stack because we'd been told before that the YAV 
um, was a stack-oriented machine. But I just realized that until this point, we hadn't actually seen the YAF stack. Now we're constructing it. Yes, yes. So it's like the stack is the result of the execution of the instructions. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think so, or yeah. maybe it's at the first mm-hmm. stage of the execution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I I had that um, that idea. I think it was I think it was when we ended the last chapter because I was like, oh, we haven't actually run this yet. Like mm-hmm. we, we st- we're still talking about the instructions and how to read them, but we haven't actually executed them. And now we're finally making that stack as a result of that execution mm-hmm. or part of that execution. So to the left of that, uh, of the YARV instructions, we have YARV's internal stack. And here we basically see a table with four empty rows. And we have a little arrow that says SP, which stands for stack pointer. And we're starting all the way at the bottom. So SP is pointing towards the very bottom of that four row table. And at the same time, on the YARV instructions that I read out uh, just a moment ago, we have the arrow PC, which stands for program counter, and it's starting at the very top of our YARV instructions at trace. So we start with trace, and we haven't really gotten into what trace is, and even the book kind of like skims over it a little bit, but essentially it's used to support the set trace func mm-hmm. feature. And that uh, basically says that if we were to provide it a function, then Ruby would call it um, every time it executes a line of code. But we don't pass it a function at this point, so we can essentially ignore it and move on to the next line. That's what I understand, yeah. Yeah, cool. So then we move to the next line in our YARV instructions to put self. So now our PC, our program counter, is pointed at put self. In our YARV's internal stack, we're still on that first, um, on that bottom row. Uh, our SP, our stack pointer is still there because we haven't added anything to the stack yet. And when we get to that put self in our YARV instructions, it executes put self and pushes the current value of self onto the stack. And the current value of self is just self. Uh, And that's because at this point in this script, we don't really have any Ruby objects or classes. So the self pointer just defaults to the top self object. Uh, And so we just push in self and we move on to the next line in our YARV instructions. By the way, at this point, so thinking back to last week when we were talking about um, setting a default value. So now if we think back to that previous example where we had put object five and then set the local variable. So what's happening is we would be putting five into the stack and then saying, okay, the Mm, next instruction is to set like the, the, the last thing on the stack to you know, set the variable to that five. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of it's sense. All, it's, it is actually becoming a bit clearer now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So our next line in our YARV instruction says put object to. So our PC, our program counter, is now pointing to that line. And our SP in our YARV's internal stack has moved up to our second from the bottom row, the, the next empty row from the bottom. And here we're going to basically do what the instruction says, which is to put the number two into our stack. So we put the number two there and then our program counter goes down a line in our YARV instructions and our SP, our stack pointer goes up to the next row and next empty row in our stack. Yes. So in our YARV instructions, we see put object two again. So we do the same thing. We add uh, two to our stack and then we go down another row for your YARV instructions to opt plus. And then our SP, our stack pointer, goes up to the next empty 
row in our yard's internal structure. And this is actually now we're seeing what actually happens when earlier in the book, Pat said, oh, so first the receiver is pushed onto the stack, then any arguments, and then the uh, message or method itself. And this is what that looks like. Yep. So our next line that we're on in our YARV instructions is opt plus. So our PCR program counter is there. And in our YARV's internal stack, we are up to that empty row. So that's where our stack pointer is pointing to. And for opt plus, opt plus is very special because it's an optimized instruction that knows to add two values, the receiver and the argument. So instead of like adding, you know, initially I thought like, oh, we're going to like add a plus sign or something Mm -hmm. to the stack. We're actually going to add the receiver and the argument in our YARV internal structure. So I want to say something at this point. Yes, please. Because this, there were two things here for me that I was like, oh, so one was, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of episodes ago, we were having a laugh about where's the four? We don't see a four because we, because mm. Pat had said, oh, at this point, you know, two and two are going to become a four in the stack. And we were like, but there's no four here. And we were saying maybe it's something that's going to come later. So we finally see that four. Yes. And the second thing is there was a section in the book where Pat was explaining how these like opt plus and opt send symbols um, worked when you had simple arguments and made it faster. Yes. And now yes. I see why, because yes. it does some processing like dynamically almost before everything's finished. It's like, ah, opt plus, that means I'm going to do something now. Two and two become four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, I remember that as well because I remembered, uh, I think it was maybe a couple episodes ago, he said there are some methods that Ruby just like knows what to do with and is super simple and optimizes for it. And we saw that actually come into play uh, right now. So originally, before we evaluated that opt plus line in our YARV's instructions, in our YARV internal stack, we had self, two, and then two. Now, when we actually execute that opt plus, we have self and then the number four. Oh, can I ask you something? Yes. In your, um, in figure 3.8, do you have self in the bottom box? Yes. I don't. Really? And before anyone says anything, this is a bought Kindle version. It's not like some hacked off version. <laughs> but I d- myself has disappeared. So I've, only, I've oh. basically got a Yav internal stack, which is two empty boxes at the top, a four, and then an empty box in the bottom. So I wrote a note. I, I think I think that is wrong. Where did the self yeah. go? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. That I don't think that is right because in the next the next thing we're going to do is we're going to evaluate. Um, well, actually, one of the last things we're going to do, I believe, is evaluate that self. So I believe you have a typo in your in the Kindle version. Mm-hmm. So Pat, if you're listening, now you know. <laughs> so now we're going to go to our next line in our YARV instructions, which is opt send simple with that long stuff that starts with call info bang mid puts comma arg c one dot dot dot. So we have our program counter pointed at that line, and then back in our YARV internal stack. We have the um, the SP, the stack pointer, pointed at the um, at the first empty row from the bottom, which is right above our, our number four. So on that line in our YARV instructions, we are going to execute the actual puts method call. That's what our opt send simple call info bang mid puts arg c1. That's what that does. And what ends up happening is in our stack, when we evaluate that, we end up leaving the return value of nil at the top of our stack. So instead of our self and then our four, we kind of, both of those disappear and we're left with just nil. Mm -hmm. So this to me was kind of confusing because I thought, what, like, but I see a four. Yes. (laughs) Like on the screen. Yes. So 
that's four on the yeah. screen because puts basically says to whatever display you have print a four but on the stack it's mm-hmm. just leaving nil so have you ever you must have seen this in um when you're playing with irb where you maybe ha- call some ruby thing and it it prints to your screen above the thing you expect to see when you do puts but there's this arrow underneath which then goes nil because nil is actually yes. a return value of the function and it just so happens that you're doing it maybe in a terminal so it, it can print a string there yes and that has never made sense to me like i'm always like I know that because I've, I've accepted that that's the way puts works is it shows me what I want, but it still evaluates as no. But I'm always like, but why? Like, why do you do that? Uh, and I guess this kind of clarifies it. It's like in terms of the stack and how it deals with the return value, it you know boils it down to nil. But but the, I think the part that's missing for me is where where's the part where Ruby talks to the display and says, even though I'm evaluating this at nil, could you please show this as four? So I think that's what's the, that's what the puts method does. So it's it's outside of the Yav machine. Like the C code then says, show me console output. So that's not going to be happening within the Yav internal stack in the virtual machine. It's just those instructions and the stack is sending instructions to the C code and knowing which bit of the C code to call. And then we're back just like when we have a Ruby code and it says, hey, do this thing. The C code says, oh, I've, I've now been told to print something to the screen. So there's nothing to be stored or display within the current framework that we're looking at. So so, so what I what I gather from this is we're in this world of YARV instructions and the YARV total stack, but there's this third party, which is the display, because as the you know, the user, I see things that aren't necessarily captured in the stack. Mm-hmm. Is that like a fair assessment yeah. of how things work? So I guess the part that was missing for me is it's cool. I mean, it's cool because like I have to accept it um, <laughs> that the the internal stack, you know, just boils down to nil and there's no like I don't see the number four. But I it also leaves me wondering, but like, how do the YARV instructions talk to the display like is that is that another table that we're just ignoring did that happen sooner does it have like where like where does that fit into the story so what i think happens and i could be wrong is that every time something happens on the stack like something is processed that's actually calling out to a bit of the the ruby c code so for example when we had um when we had the opt plus bit that knows which part of the c code to call um, and similarly to the opt send simple, which refers to the puts method, it calls a particular method in the C code for which the body of that method involves, hey, print to whatever standard output you have at your disposal. And so that's not something that we, so that's not something that we visibly see within the current stru- like diagrams that we're looking at. It's not within that domain. That's what I understand. Right, right. We're going to leave it there for now. And for this week, I think I'm going to give the reading of five. And that's because um, I've got two things that I'm balancing out. One is that I found it quite tricky and I had to go over a lot of it a few times. But then on the other side, there were a few things that started to come together a bit from previous chapters. And that was, that was, that felt good. And so that's, that's why I'm sort of coming out at a five with this reading. What about you? I'm going to give this a four. This is like easily my least favorite reading that we've done so far um, because it just felt like there were, there were too many new words that weren't fully explained and the whole like C implementation was kind of added, you know, almost like an afterthought kind of near the end. And even now, like we're kind of we're we're hoping we understand that correctly, but we're not sure. So I would have liked to have seen that more explicitly um, called out. So, yeah, this reading was definitely it felt it felt harder than it needed to be just because there was so much 
new jargon that I wasn't familiar and comfortable with uh, that I had to hold in my head while also trying to understand the flow and the process of um, of executing code. So it was just, it was, it was a little more and I wish it was broken down and, um, and kind of drawn out a little bit. It would have been easier for me to consume if it was that way. So we want to know, what did you think of the reading this week? Tweet us your score at Ruby Book Club and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!